Hi, this is Deval Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts, and I've got a podcast. We call it Being American. In each episode, we talk about the major challenges that people and families and communities all over the country are facing that need real solutions and how a better understanding of our shared values and objectives can help us bridge the kinds of differences that keep us from those solutions. I interview political figures, elected officials, grassroots organizers, regular citizens, folks in and out of politics and civic life who are in search, like me, of common wisdom in these uncommon times. Join us and help bridge the divide. It's the Being American podcast, which you can subscribe to or download wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to For All, a podcast by ACLU of Mississippi, offering lessons and stories on how to advocate for all Mississippians. I'm Candace Coleman, the Communications Director at ACLU of Mississippi, and this episode we're talking about redistricting. You may ask, what is redistricting? Well, if you don't know, it's the process of redrawing electoral district maps that goes for congressional districts, state legislative districts, all the way down to county commissions and city councils. Those maps are redrawn every 10 years after the census for the purpose of rebalancing the districts based on population changes. But you might also ask, who decides those new maps? Well, lawmakers at the Capitol vote on proposed maps, but a 20-member committee which in Mississippi is called the Mississippi Joint Legislative Redistricting Committee, it conducts the bulk of that work that creates the proposed boundaries or maps. You're about to hear a conversation I have with someone who knows a lot about redistricting. Amir Badat, he is a Meridian native. Amir, he is the new special voting counsel at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. But He also worked on ACLU of Mississippi's latest redistricting report. In that report, we pointed out the history of racial gerrymandering and how it has crippled Mississippi's progress and what lawmakers need to do this go-round during redistricting to make it more fair for all Mississippians. We're going to take a deep dive into that later, but right now, here's Amir on why black voting power is at risk more than ever. Thank you so much for for giving your time to us um, to to do this interview. We're so happy to have you on. A because of your 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 knowledge and your new position now at the NAACP uh, Legal Defense Fund over their voting rights. What is it? A division? Voting rights division? Voting rights department? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my my title is a little complicated. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, really excited to be here and to talk to you. Um, my, yeah, my new title is a little complicated, so it's Special Voting Council and Manager of the Protect the Vote and Voting Rights Defenders Projects. Um, so so the, the two projects, Protect the Vote and Voting Rights Defender Projects at LDF are their um, election protection projects. So we're going to be doing a lot of election protection work, going to be doing a lot of um, outreach, organizing, advocacy around voting rights and redistricting. Uh, and some litigation as well. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Cool. So what inspired you to even take up the fight for voting rights? 
Growing up in Mississippi, I always loved learning about kind of the civil rights movement and all of the, the heroes that we have in the state that led the charge to expand voting rights, uh, um, not only in Mississippi, but across the country. And that was always really inspiring for me to, to learn about. But I think really what inspired me to take action was when I was working on a political campaign in Mississippi um, a few years ago, and I was a part of the voter protection team for the campaign. And a big part of my job was talking to voters, answering their questions about voting and trying to resolve any problems that they had with voting. And, you know, just talking to voters about how difficult it was for them to cast their ballots, it, it really kind of struck a nerve with me. And I, I remember one voter who we talked to, she called into the hotline. She was an elderly black woman. She lived outside of Hattiesburg. She called in, it was maybe one or two weeks before election day. And she told us about a phone call that she got uh, from someone who was asking her about who she was going to vote for. And, you know, she was really proud about the candidate that she was going to vote for. So she was like, I'm voting for so-and-so. And then the caller then said, okay, thank you for telling us. You can count this as your vote. You don't have to go to the polling site on election day and cast your ballot. And, you know, this, this woman who called in, she, she knew better. She knew that this was not right. And she called into our hotline and told us about the call, but there were probably a lot of voters who might've believed what the caller was saying and didn't actually go to the, the polling place on election day and cast their ballots. And, you know, talking to this woman and to so many other people who called in, um, who experienced difficulties casting ballots or weren't able to vote at all in many circumstances. You know, I really felt from them the sense that they were losing something really important. They were losing a, a very fundamental right to them. And a lot of these voters were, were elderly. They had been alive during the civil rights movement. They experienced all of the challenges, the, the violence um, that came with fighting for the right to vote. And it really kind of, it made me really, really realize how important that right is. And I thought, you know, I need to, I need to do something about it. And I, I need to join the fight. Yeah, it's so interesting that you tell that story about that, that one person in that call, because there would be so many people who would believe that, you know, and oh, yeah. it's the lost vote. And we hear about scams all the time targeting our, um, our elder community Think about how many other people got that phone call and believed it. For sure. It, I mean, I'm sure hundreds of people got that phone call. And, you know, I, there, I've also heard about stories about, you know, people learning that election day was on another day, that it really wasn't. People just hearing all sorts of wrong information about how to cast their ballots, what they need to bring to the polling place. And all of these things just make it harder and more confusing to vote, which is ultimately the biggest cause of, of disenfranchisement in Mississippi and across the country. Right, exactly. It's the it's the it's the, the basis for pretty much everything else is that is that right to vote. So okay, can you explain why it's even more important now than previous years that black voters pay attention to the redistricting process? Something happened between then and now that makes it even more important? You know, it's always been important for Black voters, to, especially in Mississippi, to pay attention to the redistricting process, just given the state's history of voter suppression and discrimination. But since the passage of the 
the Voting Rights Act in 1965, we had certain federal protections in place that we no longer have today because of what you're referring to, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in a case called Shelby County versus Holder, which dealt with Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So, so Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act required that certain states with a history of discrimination, including Mississippi, had to have their redistricting maps pre-cleared by the Department of Justice, the U.S. Department of Justice, before they could actually go into effect. So if the, the Department of Justice decided that a map was unfair or discriminatory or diminished Black voting power in a given state, then that state had to go back to the drawing board and redraw their lines and then propose that those new maps to the Department of Justice to get pre-clearance. And this created a really important safety guard to prevent discriminatory maps from actually going into effect. So in 2013, there was a, a, a lawsuit and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court and the lawsuit challenged Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. And it essentially, you know, they were, the, they were arguing that Section 5 was outdated and that we no longer need these types of protections. And, and the U.S. Supreme Court effectively gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act and eliminated the preclearance requirement. And now states like Mississippi no longer have to get that preclearance for any new voting laws or redistricting maps that are going to be passed. So what that means in practice is that we, we can't rely on the Department of Justice anymore to prevent states like Mississippi from drawing discriminatory maps. Now we as citizens and particularly black citizens have to pay extra attention to the redistricting process. Um, and the outcomes of redistricting so that we can identify when a map is discriminatory and when we have to take the right actions to, to fight those maps. There was also another case that got a lot of attention that the Supreme Court decided in 2019, uh, and it, that, that one was called Rousseau versus Common Cause. And in that one, the, the court held that basically federal courts can no longer hear challenges to partisan gerrymandering. And partisan gerrymandering is basically when maps are drawn to favor one political party over another. So the reason why this case is really important for Black voters in Mississippi is because in Mississippi, we have significant racially polarized voting, which means that white voters tend to prefer one candidate, Republicans. Uh, black voters tend to prefer other candidates, Democrats. And because of Rousseau, because of this court case, the legislature, uh, which is responsible for drawing lines in Mississippi, can explicitly draw maps that favor one political party over another. And because in Mississippi, we have a legislature that's supermajority Republican, that means they have an incentive to give political power, the most political power to their voters who are primarily white. And that means there's an even greater risk this redistricting cycle for maps to be drawn that will diminish black voting power. Uh, so we, we really need to pay special, pay special attention. All Mississippians need to pay special attention to this redistricting cycle. When we're talking about redistricting, um, 
let's go back and, and just make sure we are noting that it's based on census data. That's why it's happening every 10 years because the census happens every 10 years. Um, and we just had the census data be released uh, in early September based on uh, the census that took place last year, which was a very difficult year for the census because of the pandemic. They didn't have people going out to doors, knocking on doors. That's what they typically do to get those field workers out there. It was phone calls. It was mailers, people doing it online. When you look at the new census data, though, that, that has been released, what strikes you as some of the most important data changes to Mississippi's population? And, and how does that differ from other southern states? How different are we or how similar are we to other southern states in the different population changes that we that we saw? Yeah, so I think the biggest change and the most noticeable change is that uh, Mississippi lost population. Uh, Mississippi was one of the three states in the entire country, one of the only three states in the entire country to lose population. It wasn't a, a lot of people. I think we lost about 6,000 people, but that's important because there were a lot of other states in the South, Georgia, Florida, that gained a lot of population and, and the region as a whole gained a lot of population. So that, that made us different from other states in the region. And the reason that that is so significant is I mean, one is it's because it, it shows that our state isn't doing enough to, to keep people here. Uh, we've known for a long time that brain drain is a problem. The census data now really provides concrete support for that. But luckily, this cycle, our population loss isn't going to cause a loss of a congressional seat like it did in, in 2000. In 2000, we went from five congressional seats to four. We're going to keep four congressional seats for this cycle for the next 10 years. But if this trend of population loss continues, then it suggests that in the next redistricting cycle that starts in 2020, or sorry, 2030, we might be at risk of losing another congressional seat. So it really, I think, highlights the importance of uh, measures that we can take as a state that our legislature and our governor needs to take to keep people here. Um, economic development, education, opportunities for people to, to stick around. I think it's, that's all really important if we want to make sure that we don't lose um, any representation at the federal level. Another really interesting item from the, the census was that it, it showed that Mississippi is uh, diversifying. The non-white population in Mississippi is growing and it's becoming more diverse, which is actually what we're seeing in other southern states as well. Other, other certain southern states are diversifying at, at higher rates, but um, it's definitely a demographic trend that we're seeing from the census data and that I think will have um, important political ramifications over the next several years. And that's important uh, to note about the loss in population. So one of the, the, the things that we need to do is making sure that the decisions that are being made in the state are ones that can grow the population so that we don't lose another congressional seat and so that we can make Mississippi just a more attractive place for people to to want to come and to want to stay. So which regions of the state do you do you think black voters should be paying extra attention to when we're talking about these new maps that are being proposed? So there are certain regions that have had really significant population changes. And I think those are the regions where we are going to need to pay a lot of attention to. 
So the biggest region I think is is the Delta. Uh, the Delta lost a lot of population between 2010 and 2020. And as we know, the Delta is where a large proportion of Mississippi's black population lives. It is a place that has a really long history and has a lot of challenges with respect to economic development and, and other things that we've seen across Mississippi, but primarily in, in the Delta. So that loss of population is going to come with a redrawing of the lines in a way that will be important to watch. You know, we, we don't know exactly what those lines are going to look like yet. We, we have some ideas of how the changes might look, but I think we definitely need to pay, pay special attention to um, that region, particularly because of the, the Black population there, because we know that Black political power in Mississippi is something that is going to be fought over. So that's going to be something to, to, to definitely watch. We also saw some big population gains in several parts of the state. So we saw a lot of population gains in DeSoto County up north. Uh, we know that there are going to be some changes of the lines in DeSoto County that are going to affect political representation up there. We saw population gains in, on the Gulf Coast along several of the counties on the Gulf Coast. So we can expect to see uh, a lot of changes there. And then we also saw some big changes in Rankin and Madison counties, which are going to be interesting because they border Jackson, they border Hines County. And we know that there were population losses in Hines, population gains in Rankin and Madison. So we can expect to see some changes there that will definitely affect uh, Black voters in, in those regions. I also want to note here too, just for listeners, when we talk about these new maps that are being proposed, uh, the congressional maps will be coming out first before the legislative, the state legislative maps. And that's because there is an election that's coming up in the congressional uh, district. So those need to be put out before the, the, um, the, the state legislative maps. So what role does redistricting play in creating a more equitable Mississippi and country? Because it's not just Mississippi yeah, so, who are going through it. A lot of other states are looking at the same thing, and they they may not have had a population decrease, but the political power that some Black and brown communities already have are at risk of, of being lost. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, the redistricting, redistricting is happening across the entire country, and every single state is going through its own redistricting process. It, the process is different depending on what state you're in, but you know the outcome is the same. We're all going to have to draw new lines, so it does affect the entire country. And you know redistricting is really core to our democracy. It is what is going to determine our political representation for the next ten years, and that's at every single level that you can imagine. That's at the city level, at the county level at the state level and the federal level. So, you know, our, our school boards are going to be impacted by this. Our city councils are going to be impacted by this. It is really, really important for us to pay attention to the process and, and try to be a part of the process as much as possible. I think that redistricting plays a huge role in helping to create a more equitable state and country because we have the opportunity, if we do redistricting right, 
to make sure that those people who have been underrepresented or not represented at all in our political institutions are able to get that representation. The black population in Mississippi is almost 40% of the state, but that is not reflected in our state legislature. Our state legislature is not 40% black. Uh, and that is indicative of how the lines were drawn. That's why that's based on how the lines were drawn. So if we do the redistricting process right, then we have a really great opportunity to make sure that everyone gets the representation that they deserve. And more specifically, what type of uh, legislation do you think that we could pass if our state and federal leaders, state and federal leaders reflected their communities? I know here in the state, we already know that people, uh, polling shows that people want expanded Medicaid, people want um, medical marijuana, obviously, uh, based off the, the ballot initiative that happened. But what other key legislation do you think is uh, missing and has, and has been shot down, has not moved or had any feet? because uh, so many of our legislators don't reflect the communities that they represent. The pieces of legislation that you mentioned are some of the most important ones, Medicaid expansion. Like we know from polling, the, the majority, the vast majority of the state wants Medicaid to be expanded. And we know how dramatic of an impact that can have on our state. It can provide health care to so many more people that don't have it right now. And not only will it make our state more healthy, it will help drive economic development in our state. It will make people want to come back to our state and stay in our state and live here. So, like, I think Medicaid expansion is, is the biggest one. And that's, like you said, because of the way that our districts are drawn, our legislators don't feel like they have to be responsive to the majority of the people in the state. They can continue to get reelected, even though they don't pass legislation that is widely supported and advocated for by the majority of, of Mississippians. So that is, I think you're totally right, at its core, a redistricting issue. We need to address that in, in redistricting. So I think Medicaid expansion, medical marijuana, um, hopefully the legislature does something on that. But I think if, if we had the right maps, that wouldn't, you know, we would have gotten it done probably a while ago. No excuse early voting. That's another big one that we again know from polling the vast majority of mississippians want no excuse early voting it it makes sense most of the other states in the country have it and it's easy to implement but because of how our districts are drawn and because of the incentives that legislators have we don't have that yet so i think that that's another big issue that we can uh, make progress on if we have maps drawn the right way um, i think fully funding our public schools another thing that we know that has significant support across the state, but we just haven't seen any progress on that. So I think that there are, you know, these issues and a whole host of other issues that if we can draw maps that are actually representative of our state, we'll be able to make so much progress. Yeah, and it's the perfect time right now. I feel like a lot of people are empowered and a lot of people are paying attention to what is happening um, at the Capitol. And it's the perfect time for a tide. Uh, you know, you have some young people who are trying to stay and, and, and make some progress. You're coming back to the state. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's time, you know, to, to get those maps in order so that we have the power to be able to do this. It's funny because I, you know, it's funny how 
know there's a lot of conversation specifically with with younger uh people millennials i'm not going to say younger uh maybe between like 25 to 40 there's a lot of conversation yeah, we're, millennials are not young anymore we're not, yeah we're yeah not i say young but really <laughs> I, I turned 30 this year so i mean it's, it's young but it's not like 20 anymore so so there's a yeah. lot of conversation um between us about the way that that others view mississippi and like us wanting to like stay here and do the work because we're others who have uh who have left people who have been a part of the brain drain are leaving but then seeing some of the same legislation that was started here in mississippi or tried here in mississippi being uh taken to other states for one texas the abortion ban that six-week ban was already discussed or passed here in mississippi and now texas is dealing with that same thing so it's not always a great idea i guess to to, to leave let's stay here let's pay attention to what's happened use our power um, and our voices to try to, to, to try to impact some change. Have you been hearing those same kind of conversations as well? Absolutely. And I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing from so many people like that, that are part of our generation that they're excited about staying in Mississippi or moving back to Mississippi, you know, by bringing their education or their skill set that they were able to develop elsewhere and bringing that back. And that's part of the reason that I am so excited to move back to like I for my new job I was like I I want to be able to to work at LDF but I want to be able to do it in Mississippi because I think it's so important for us to to do this work and there's a huge opportunity like I, I feel the same thing that you're feeling I feel the excitement just the the momentum I think that people are feeling and there's like everything that happened last year with the state flag for example that was such a great example of the things that we can achieve if we have everyone working together. And now there's so, there's so much enthusiasm also with like in the next generation, like, you know, we're, we're millennials, the Gen Zers are like on another level, you know, they, they have taken activism and advocacy to a whole nother level. And it's so exciting to see that. So I think, you know, we can, we can do so much. And also if we're able to achieve progress in Mississippi, like what can't we achieve across the entire country? You know, what, what, what are we not gonna be able to do outside of Mississippi? So I, that's, you know, that's kind of why I'm really excited to move back. Um, I'm excited to work with everyone that's working on these issues already to learn from them and to, to keep pushing the ball forward. Wonderful, wonderful. Excited to have you back. Excited to have you in your new position uh, with the NAACP because I, I know that you're going to do some really good work. You did some great work working on our redistricting report. So thank you so much for that <laughs> and all the work that you put oh, in. Yeah, there. That, was, that was a lot of fun. So how do we show up for each other? That's the question we'll try to answer each episode. I asked Amir his thoughts, and this is what he had to say. Redistricting in Mississippi is primarily conducted by what's called the Joint Standing Committee for Redistricting. There are a bunch of other words in there, um, but it's a, it's a legislative committee that's responsible for drawing the maps. It's 20 people, and they are, or they have already had nine public hearings across the state. Now these public hearings, most of them were held before the census data was even released and they were all held before any maps were proposed. 
So they have not drawn a single map yet, but they already held public hearings to hear from citizens of Mississippi on how redistricting should be done. What we really need to happen is for that same committee, once they do draw maps and propose the maps to the legislature, we need to have additional public hearings so that the public has a say in what their maps look like. We need to be able to look at the maps, critique the maps, say that, you know, this doesn't actually represent my community. This isn't what my community looks like. My community should actually look like this and have the opportunity to propose our own maps for the legislature to con consider. So I think that's the, the biggest thing that we can do is advocate our state legislators and our legislature as a whole to hold additional public hearings once maps are proposed and before the legislature actually votes on them. I think that there are a bunch of other ways also to, to get involved. You can uh, submit comments to an email address for the redistricting committee. I know that you guys have that on y'all's website. So take a look at that. Make sure that you propose comments. And I think just stay apprised of what's going on. Like redistricting can happen. In the past, redistricting has happened without a lot of transparency. There's a real risk that that can happen again. So we need to make sure to advocate with our legislatures and tell them we want you to be transparent in this process and involve all Mississippians and how maps are going to look. And I'm going to make sure I link all of that in the uh, in the description of the uh, of this episode, but totally agree with you on all of that, making sure that it's transparent, making sure that they have some hearings after the maps are actually out. Uh, and we, you say now all the maps, you know, aren't drawn. They're drawing up something. Somebody's drawing up something already somewhere. I can guarantee you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't know about it, but somebody's drawing something right. somewhere. And I, it's probably yeah. not going to be look it's probably not looking how it should look but oh, you're, you're totally right there there there's some room somewhere that has all of the maps already mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of when they're going to show the rest of us what those maps look like and there you have it Thanks again, Amir, for joining me on For All, the podcast. Next week, we are continuing with conversations about voting rights and redistricting. For more information on ACLU of Mississippi's current work to fight for fair maps, visit ACLUMS.org or click on the link in the episode description. It'll take you directly to our redistricting toolkit where you can view frequently asked questions and talking points. And you can even see a full list of that Mississippi Joint Legislative Redistricting Committee, including their emails. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at ACLU underscore MS and on Facebook at ACLU of Mississippi. All right. Now go advocate for something.